Welcome back, everybody, to the Ox and the Rat. What a momentous day it is. It is election day in the United States, the or the, the morning after the hangover. And uh, wow, um, we're still alive. Almost, who knows for how long. Um, how are you doing? Safe on, on the other side of the planet there. Good. I had the coverage kind of just in the background, just checking the polls, checking what's going on. Um, a lot of the people that are around I, me, I work with are American, but they don't really seem to care much. <laughs> Maybe uh, that's why they left. <laughs> yeah, I think a lot of them are um, not wanting to get helpful because that's what happened last time. And then, yeah, yeah it looks yeah. like it's happening again. With and in record turnout numbers. Well, I don't know what that says. Well, I do know what that says, but uh, maybe that's for another time. Anyways, uh, today we've got a short fable. This one is the gnat and the bull. Are you ready? Well, I was just eating some uh, mandarin oranges. You know what they call those in the south of China? Uh, what do they call them? Cantonese. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh -huh. Very clever. Well, where are they originally? Oh, yeah. They're probably from the south of China anyways. That's where the, the tropical that's... climate is. Yeah, should have been called Cantonese to begin with. Man, I... if there's one thing, like, just, just going before we get back into this, if there's one thing I really enjoyed about about, like, living over in Asia, it's, like, how random... Like, it seems like, and I'm from Canada, and living in Canada, it seems like everything's the same here, and then being in, in Asia is, like, there's so much variety of, like, destinations, sight sounds, tastes, like, it's so exciting. I miss that variety, and, like, ah, I really do. That's something I'm, I miss more than anything else. Just the excitement of the, well, let's hop on a train get on a plane and uh, in a few hours you're somewhere very different and yeah miss that and it's usually warm and nice is it akin to um europe or is europe more uh, well you know like the the big the big difference in in europe is uh is how the gulf stream affects uh um england and uh, you know uh, yeah, I, I guess, like, in Central Europe, it's very similar, I found. You know, it, it's cold, it's very, it has a wintry feel. But then, like, if when I was in England, and I lived there too, of course, like, it was, uh, it's mild. It's really mild, and that's because of the Gulf Stream. So if you're in a country like France, you know, the North, Center, and South have very different climates because, you know, the, in the North... Uh, the Atlantic Atlantic region, like that's exposed to the Gulf Stream, so it's very mild. You know, get, getting a little bit more into the interior, it's you know has a bit more of that Central European um, seasons feeling, right? Um, and then mm -hmm. if you're in the south, then it's a Mediterranean climate, and you know places like Monaco, famously, like uh, you know, very very warm, um, arid 
Yeah, so it's it depends, you know. When I lived in Vienna and that was central central Europe, so that was very uh very seasonal. Felt like Canada. But other places well, Good thing not. you're not there now. Yeah. Well, I'm in Canada now, so <laughs> it's well cold. They had now. the uh as just referencing the attacks oh, going on, oh, seeming yeah. to go on. Yeah, man. Um hmm. uh Europe is not as stable as as it seems, although, you know, a lot of uh, a lot of repressed uh, anger, I think, based on my experiences. When you talk to real people, it's like, "Ooh, this is very different." I thought you guys were all like this, and doesn't seem that way. Yeah. Well, I guess they have a historical uh, basis for that too. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. They've well, been anyways, for years. Yeah, oh god, centuries. Anyways, let's get to it then. The gnat and the bull. Uh, gnat, spelled with a G, flew over the meadow with much buzzing for so small a creature and settled on the tip of one of the horns of a bull. After he had rested a short time, he made, a, he made ready to fly away. But before he left, he begged the bull's pardon for having used his horn for a resting place. You must be very glad to have me go now, he said. It's all the same to me, replied the bull. I didn't even know you were there. Hmm. I love how short this one is. So, do you want to guess the moral of this one? Hmm. Um. No matter the imposition, uh, always... Uh, recognize <laughs> no always uh always always be grateful for somebody's help huh yeah i guess so that could be there i could see that this one's really interesting and i think you'll 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 see it like immediately when i when i say it we are often of greater importance in our own eyes than in the eyes of our neighbor the smaller the mind the greater the conceit that makes sense. Um, the smaller the mind, the greater the conceit. We are often are talking about greater... small men. Well, we we are often yeah we are often of greater importance in our own eyes than in the eyes of our neighbor. So if you think about it, and I'll do I'll do what you normally do. Let's break it down. You've got a the fly, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna rest here on uh, this bull, and the bull's like, and he's like. Um, you must be that the fly says you must be very glad to have me go now and then the bull's like i really don't care <laughs> you know because the the fly thinks that you know it was he was an imposition or or whatever and the bull just didn't even care um and yeah the the message is we are often of greater importance in our own eyes than in the eyes of our neighbors so the smaller the mind the greater the conceit you're talking about small man syndrome um yeah, but uh, you could apply that to a lot of things. Do you have any any uh, uh, initial thoughts? Hmm. I'm trying to think of anybody anybody doing something to me where I was like, uh, whatever, I didn't even notice. But I, I'm I'm pretty perceptive, so even if a fly took a ride, I might. If I was Joe Biden in that uh, speech, I probably <laughs> would notice that fly. Oh God! Yeah, that's Mike Pence. No, that's Mike Pence. 
Oh, yeah, right. Mike Pence. Another old white guy. <laughs> Another old white guy. Um, um, let's see. I can't think of anything anybody's done to me. Have I done anything to anybody else? I... Nah, not off the top of my head. All I can think of is kind of like, you know, little things, helping people out, showing them the ropes mm. type of deal. Well. Which is not a, yeah. I'll tell you, uh, being a university student, um, academics are, in their own eyes, so important. And, you know, they, I think, I'm, I'm learning more and more that they don't really contribute much of anything. So I've just finished this book, Anti-Fragile, and I, I loved it. Um, it's very me, uh, but so I have a bias there. But I think he, I think he, Nassim Taleb, if I'm pronouncing his name right, the author, does a great job in pointing out how frequently, like, theories, we, we focus on a, on a story, a narrative, but the phenomenon, the events that happen often don't match it or precede the theory right so we try to explain the world um and in trying to explain it we get it we we get it wrong because and it's like i talk to all these people these academics and they're always you know they're like oh i wrote this book i did this it's like so the fuck what who cares if you read, read a, wrote a book? I think this is part of the problem. We're all uh, that that I see around me is like everybody's talking and nobody's doing, and like these academics are like read. Here's my here's my list of of uh, of readings. I will sit here. You will talk, and I will get paid. So like, what what have you done? You haven't done anything. Like. I just paid you to read something that I wrote, essentially, or I'm paying for a curated list of readings from you that I could have gotten for free anywhere else. <clears throat> and the key is like, what have you actually done? And then, and then even when they've done things, people, people will measure what they were looking for, right? So, you know, we, there's a lot of talk about, you know, data-driven policies and stuff, but like, when you start with the theory that that is not necessarily based on reality, you try to you try to like fit the data into that, right? So we end up with shitty policies, procedures, and ideas about how the world works, and then one mistake topples the whole thing, right? <clears throat> it so like if one mistake could bring down an entire theory, which frequently happens, like theories change all the time, then the th what was the point of the theory? Like, what did it do? You know? And I think that's what a lot of what we hear, we hear or see on TV, right? So we're talking about the election. And you, I'm watching, I haven't watched uh, election or politi political coverage for the longest time. And I was watching it last night, and I was like, D I remember why I hate this so much. It's a bunch of talking heads who somehow get paid for zero benefit to society to say, well, this is what this is what's happening. This is my this is what I think. And you know what? Like ninety percent of them are wrong, and the ten percent that were right were kind of guessing. So what was the point of the entire enterprise? What are you getting paid for? Why do you? 
what's your what value do you give back right entertainment yeah (laughs) yeah i guess so yeah so you know in my experience uh at i'm doing i'm at university like i've said before and like these these professors they they just talk about about theories and then i hear people talking about and then we're put into discussion groups where we have to talk about theories together and i'm just allergic to it i have become so um like i remember one of our one of our topics i think i mentioned it before in like a tech class was which of these which of these approaches to assessing the usefulness of technology would do you like best i'm like i don't like any of them like this is ridiculous who why do we have a theory to assess technology what works is what works you don't need to problematize it and i'm like why why is technology all the why do we need technologies you know we've been doing maybe just writing things is you know on a piece of paper is fine and you know like you have to I think one of the problems with academics is like they have to provide value by producing something. So it has to be new. So they're always newing what's old and like complicating things over and over again. And at the end of the day, it's just like you have accomplished nothing. And somehow society values you because we have this weird association between like, uh, like between academics and progress but frequently progress doesn't happen that way usually it doesn't and most of the time it's just addition by subtraction is what works best right via negativa as Nassim Taleb would say so I wonder uh, as a former educator um, the value that you know in where, where we were before or where I was before it was, you know, a lot of value was placed on on teaching and teachers. So I always wonder, like, what was that worth it? Like, was that a conceit that I carried? And like, what value did do I actually give back? Did I actually give back to my students? What are your thoughts about education's role in that sense? Is it like, is it are we? Am, am was I or? Are educators adding value, or are we just complicating what's really simple? Uh, it depends on the educator. So first on the on the university thing, I think going into university, one of the roles maybe of the professor is it kind of gets you interested in the subject more. But I found as soon as I went into university, I didn't. I was never taught anything you're talked at and this person was really knowledgeable about history so they told you this story about history and you just listen to it and and maybe like there's that's kind of how we think of history but there's all these like intricacies of I don't know little events happening that set off other events and like uh, uh, economics and all this sort of stuff but there's nothing really concrete that you are taught to me, I don't know. It's like you said, you read some stuff and then the, the guy talks and you're, you're supposed to like gain some insight from the guy talking. But I think it should be, you're only 18, you just graduated high school, which you probably didn't pay attention to. There should probably be a bit more scaffolding, perhaps. Like there's no skills that you're taught. You know what I mean? 
in, in regular undergrad. And then uh, as far as actual school goes, that's probably a lot of, uh, like high school, there's probably a lot of um, flies or whatever, the gnats. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people thinking their specific subject is like the be all end all and like this is the best. You really have to know this stuff. Like you really have to know history. Or you really have to know chemistry, and by the time you leave school, you're like, okay, well, I'm never going to use either of these subjects, potentially. Uh, but in that time, they're really, like, just saying this is this is really important. So, it depends on the teacher. Whereas other ones, they can really open up uh, pathways, like, oh, maybe I was never interested in art, but then you have a really great art teacher that uh, makes you super interested in a specific subject. So... Uh, I don't think there are they are so important. You can learn a lot of stuff off of YouTube now, essentially. But mm-hmm. I think it's like uh, getting people excited about something, and then in the end, when you when you finish school, it's more like a lot of it's what social skills did you learn? How do you complete a task? How how do you stay organized? Things like that. Yeah, well, I was just arguing about this in my class the other day, like. I didn't learn anything like from social sciences in particular. And I'm a social scientist. I have a, I am a master's degree. And I think about like, what was the value of that? Like I, I basically have like a Rolodex of knowledge from it, which is useful in conversations. I'm knowledgeable, but I'm knowledgeable about whatever was curated for me. Right. And I didn't really take away any skills. Like I can write long pieces, long academic texts, and I have sort of an analytical brain from it. But you know, it's it was just a bunch of a bunch of reading, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, I, I it's this focus on newness and like that I think is at the heart of the problem. And like everybody is talking about you got to read this book you got to read that book it's like well no you don't give Um, me the cliff notes because whatever the theories are today they'll they might well disappear because we we put an oversight an outsized importance on people like doctors um take your pick uh i'll i'll go after everybody like uh doctors um the the p the the PhD class of like um, everybody, as far as I'm concerned, who isn't applying knowledge in a specific way, like, you know, engineers totally understand that physics. I think that's an outlier, but like, you know, what have the, what have they contributed other than words? Like point out, point out to me, like, what have you actually contributed? How does it, how does beyond your book, what does your book do for people? Is it just something we read? I don't get it. I don't. And, and think about doctors. Okay. My cancer treatment. I like, I was so dismayed by walking into the, to the radiation, um, checkup. Like radiation was awful. It was the worst part of it. The chemo was like, I walked right through it. Didn't bother me. And I'll get to that in a minute. But like the radiation thing, I was like, why am I doing this? I'm cancer free, quote unquote. That's what you told me. So now you're potentially giving me cancer to get rid of my cancer. And I got 
like there's a checkup midway and talking to the to the person i was like why am i doing this and they're like because that's the standard of care and i was like okay well at least you've answered my question after waiting all this time i guess you'll continue radiating me because that's the that's what you do like and talking to my oncologist all that person did was put the cocktail together and that seemed to be it and check in with me once in a while and then i was like well look i'm getting i didn't do any of those things you talked about you said all of this stuff was going to happen to me none of it happened i did the opposite of what you said in regards to exercise and nutrition for example and I'm one of the best case scenario outcomes. Like, and it was like, yeah, well, you know, that happens. Like, wait, what the hell is going on here? Like, what was, how are you able, how are you able to, to have this high position in society, this high esteem, and you're able to just shrug off things that go against your, your own counsel. Like it's, it's wild, man. And the same thing happens at universities. When you talk to these people, like, they're like, I was like, I don't need to talk about this theory. Why? What is the value of doing it? How does this actually apply to anything? Like, well, some, we like to have a theory to, to, you know, put things in. It's like, what about your instincts? What has worked for you in the past? And that's where things, you know, I think, I don't know, that... I don't know if I'm making any sense. I, it just bothers me, like, you know, that we put so much value on certain professions, and I really don't know, when it gets down to it, what they have added overall. I think that they are quite conceited in the way that they treat new information that goes against what they what they have been taught to tell people. Potentially. Um, I think it can be maybe beneficial. I mean, if you had no theories at all no new ideas no potential way avenues to go down that may or may not work and then maybe they don't work you can still learn off of the negative thing that didn't work and build off of that whether it builds to something concrete i don't know like social norms or social ideas or things like that if no one ever really advanced their thinking on it i don't know if that's uh parallel to what you're saying but if we didn't have any advancement in that, then perhaps there's less new ideas. I don't know. But uh, well, I think it makes sense. But it's also the same thing like uh, making art. Like I, I do design or whatever, some paintings or things like that. I do I take pictures all the time. What's the point of taking these pictures? They go on your computer and they just sit there. Uh, I do the art, whatever. I post it on Instagram and it's done. So what's the real point of it? I don't know. There is none really, but I enjoy it. Yeah, but we're not we're we're not talking about like like I'm not saying or putting a huge amount of importance in in your in your work, right? And you're not either, right? I'm talking about the conceit that that comes with certain professions, right? The the great importance that people put in themselves for but with the, the the degrees after their names, right? MED, MA, PhD, whatever, you know? And you brought up a really good point, which is 
well, maybe we learn from the mistakes. But that's really important because what was the point of the theory in the first place if the mistake proves, if one mistake can prove that it was wrong? I guess uh, to show that it's wrong. Well, isn't it? Yeah, a theory is just to be proven. So whether it's wrong or right, you just got to prove something. What if things are already proven by phenomena? Like what if, you know, we already know a lot of these things. Let's let's go back to the doctor example. There are many uh, people in the past who, uh, Greeks, for example, who, who said, you know, um, who talked about fasting and, you know, um, how the cure to most things was, you know, uh, subtraction, fasting, um, minimal activity, it, not adding something, right? We knew these things a long time ago. Our quest for newness and knowledge and, and whatever, it often is, was right there in the past. The truth is in the past so often. Mm -hmm. And now we put all of this, all of this uh, conceit or like importance into titles for people who haven't really accomplished anything. You know, what has, how, here's a great one. How, how many years has medicine added in aggregate to the human lifespan? Uh, when you put together the harm that medicine has also caused. Because there are two ends of that spectrum. Five years. What would you say? Five, Five years. years. It's a, It's around... My understanding is it's between 1945 and around like the 2000s. Oh. Maybe about five, maybe about five years. Yeah. So that's, maybe. That's what I say. But that's yeah. at the end of your life. They're they're putting on uh, yeah, and that's they're putting on like uh what seventy five years to the start of your life because most kids died during pregnancy. Yeah, but beyond that, I mean, we've gone nowhere. You know, for take take uh, and yeah, that's important. Like hygiene is important, but beyond like beyond child mortality and stuff, we've done very little to advance our uh, our lifespans. And again, like you said, it's at the end of your life. It's we, we're living longer, sicker. Mm. I think it's Hooray. starting to turn, though. Like you see those you see some of the older people, like mostly movie stars because they have the money and stuff. But you start seeing them like uh, Schwarzenegger and uh, whatever that guy is, Stallone and all those people that are shot up with human growth hormone or whatever, TRT. And they still look good. I mean, I don't know. There's that. There's Mel Gibson's dad, who was like 93 in a wheelchair, and they filled him full of stem cells, and now he's up and walking and apparently doing fine. So, I think the new new medicine. I think all that stuff that we had, like all the pills and things like that, which we were using and techniques, those are pretty old. But the new stuff that's coming out with stem cells and all that, I think that can potentially, and that was a jumping off. We would point like all that old stuff that doesn't work is a jumping off point for all the new stuff which can potentially work well i would just say there's it's an error in logic to assume that you know we needed the failures 
to get to to get to uh, the correct actions. Because I mean, if you're talking, we're talking about stem cells. That is human. Like that is going back to the start, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, having the ability to 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 utilize nature better in the way it's intended to. Totally agree. But, you know, even in agriculture and so on, we've known about regenerative practices for a long time. We just need to apply them. We just caught up in this idea that, like, new is better, or different is better. So let's provide a technological solution to everything. And it's not true. I mean, ca- cancer, um, beyond, like, a few, cl- a few clear examples, such as mine, thank God, um, is, has advanced nowhere. We've added like two months total in the past like hundred years or something like that in spite of the billions of dollars or hundreds of millions of dollars invested. So what's the point? I, I question everything. I question doctors. I question academics. And because all I care about is what have you actually done? Show me what you've proven to do. So like the bull, I just, I'm starting to think, you know, like, I don't even care. I don't know. I don't even recognize you. Your title means nothing to me. Yeah. Well, I mean, a doctor. A doctor is a a medical doctor is a PhD in, in history as well. They just, I mean, it's different for a surgeon and they have a very technical skill and whatever, but those are the same. You're just learning about a bunch of facts and uh, you just apply those facts and it's hard to go outside of those facts because you've never probably done the research unless you're involved in it so this is what you know this is what works how else do you figure something out yeah and uh like take a family doctor for example i'm sorry if you're listening and you're a family doctor like you don't impress me at all like you just have the same book you still have the same book of facts that you've had forever you walk in what are all my experiences walk in it's like let's uh, check this check that real quick okay what do you want all right I'll, I'll prescribe that for you okay solved you didn't solve anything you just gave me something well here's out of one your, uh, out of your uh, textbook i had hmm? which is like oh, a, an un is a pretty tough one to diagnose i would say so during the quarantine i was sitting around a lot i don't know i tried to do a bit of wim hof which I feel like caused this, but I don't know. Um, So I'm sitting around, and (coughs) after a while, two weeks of sitting, like, doing nothing, um, my legs start vibrating. Just non... You can't see them moving, but it feels like they're just vibrating, like... Like, I don't know what's going on. I thought the building was shaking. And... uh, so then days and days keep going by. I'm like, what the hell? This doesn't, it's not going away. Eventually I have to leave my, my uh, quarantine and then I go to the hospital. I'm like, okay, I, I don't know what's going on. Legs are vibrating. They're like, okay, tap, tap. Yeah, look at, look at my finger. Okay. So they're checking to see like, I did have a stroke or something. I don't know. Like my neural pathways are those all fine. Um, which is a, a valid test, but... It's not going to conclude anything for my vibrating legs. And in the end, they're like, yeah, I don't know what's going on. So you just have vibrating legs. (laughs) 
Yeah, I like some things. I I think we're both uh, pr- probably prone to hyper hypochondria. Um, I've become a lot less so in the since well, this my was a actual le- problem. This was a legitimate thing. Yeah, I mean, know? I'm not I'm not discounting it, but like it might have been nothing, and it probably had everything to do with living it being sedentary, right? But that's why it took two weeks. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what's going on. It's just annoying, but. Maybe it was, maybe it's like a pinched nerve or maybe who knows what it is, but yeah, I think it might've been, I thought it might've been the Wim Hof thing. Cause it's like, I think it maybe did it wrong, hyperventilated a little bit and just like messed something up. I don't know. It was weird, but I, it took like a month and something to go away. Could have been a allergic reaction. I have no idea. And then I get it every once in a while, like, but it doesn't last mm-hmm. as long. Weird. Yeah, and again, like for me, the just point it's just an example of what we're talking about, right? Like you go and look you go and look for solutions and usually they're additive or, you know, nothing comes of it. And I, I guarantee you the solution to whatever the issue is is almost certainly not gonna be found in adding something, right? Or going looking to somebody for advice. It's it's in diet, it's in you know, exercise. Uh, yeah, it's just those things. Maybe, maybe you're, maybe you could fast more or something like that. I mean, oh, the already Greeks one meal a day. This. That's, that's, uh, I can't do that anymore. I like, I just disappear. If, uh, if I have one meal a day, I'm still, I, I just lose so much weight, um, with my activity levels. Uh, but yeah, well, that's good. Then you've got that check. Is, and then you did you think about well what am I eating, right? And then I just Mandarin it's so just... simple. Yeah. Then let's uh, <laughs> good. You've got vitamin C, but are you getting adequate protein? Are you getting ad- adequate cholesterol? Yeah. There's uh, nothing yeah. adequate. And, and, but... Yeah. <laughs> well, then that, there there it could be right. It it is usually so simple. Yeah. Well, um, that that wasn't my shaking leg thing, but that's being fat. But yeah, whatever it is, it's simple, almost certainly. And the point is, you went somewhere for help, didn't get it. And um, what was the value of of that time spent, right? And money spent. Anyways. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, sometimes you got to check them out. You never know. It's like your cancer thing. Like, well, do you, do you want to go? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like, okay, I have this thing. I could just be like, oh, it'll go away on its own. Or do you want to go get it checked out? The main thing about going to the hospital is trying to, you know, you're just hoping that it's nothing and then it just goes away. Put some cream guess, on it. yeah. Whatever. Love the lotion, love, rub the lotion on the skin. Yep. Or you get the hose. Anyways. <laughs> well, this has been a chaotic one, but uh, yeah. What, what else can you ask on uh, election election eve day whatever it is well i can ask for a uh, prediction <laughs> you're gonna ask for a prediction trump's gonna win by a narrow margin um this is and <laughs> what comes of that is the scarier question um i think i think something dramatic is about to occur um as americans wake up to the fact that their system is not representative that the electoral college is wrong and that one, the two party system 
is a nightmare. I mean, think about what's hap- what one party has been able to do over four years by just bucking the trends and saying, uh, that's, you know, tradition's nice and everything, but we will stack the court. We just, remember this, that there was a Supreme Court pick and we had, the, Barack Obama had every, every, every right to put it in place, but because of the way that the system works, the Republicans were able to say no. And it turned out that the only reason that the tradition is was no predictor of you know what's going to happen like they just decided you know screw you um we're not going to do it right i think a militancy is going to it there has been a rising militancy among the left um and i don't subscribe to it but i think it's going to come out of this even more so uh militant and like I'm concerned. I'm genuinely concerned about the implications of Trump winning a second term with an even lower, uh, seems to me, an even lower popular vote percentage than in the previous one. Republicans have not won a majority of the popular vote, as far as I can recall, for the past 20 years, 20, 30 years. And yet... The election results don't reflect that. I, that's got to be at the heart of all of this. That the system is not representative of its of its citizens. And I'm not saying Canada is much better, but uh, yeah, be worried. And Trump wins. There you go. Yeah, I was uh, predicting a hanging Chad, two Close. Yeah. Close. Did they get the chats but, um, fixed? Yeah. How are they still voting by paper? How, how is anybody still doing this? It's ridiculous. Anyways. Whatever, man. It's fucked. <laughs> so there's my prediction. It's fucked. Well, we'll know uh, tomorrow. Probably. Oh, or final, uh, final thoughts. But yeah, final thoughts about the, the fable. Um, you agree with it? Uh, we are often of greater importance in our own eyes than those of our neighbor. The smaller the mind, the greater the conceit. What do you think? Oh, of course. Um, it's it's pretty hard to care about everybody, especially uh, living in giant cities. So you got to care about numero uno. Hmm. Yeah, well, the smaller the mind, the greater the conceit. I, I think so. I think that uh, evidence shows that, uh, you know, people who we, who we place so much importance on just for just for having a lot of facts in one area, they tend to have a very narrow view of the world, hence smaller the mind, and would, hence greater the conceit for those things that they don't understand. True. But would you, would you say that's uh, like a fault of almost everybody as well? Everybody's problems and issues are obviously way greater and more important to them. Well, there's that's one half of it. Uh, the other, and y- yes, I agree generally. Um, we have an outside view of our own importance just based on the fact that that's our, our worldview is from our own eyes. Mm-hmm. But I think 
the smaller the mind part so it's kind of like a two-part fable uh moral like the smaller the mind the greater the conceit i think that that can be combat it is a is a symptom of the problems in our society that we we're always looking for the new um rather than looking back to what has worked those anti-fragile concepts that have led us through those heuristics rules of thumbs rules of thumb that have led us through centuries before you know we even knew what a theory was so i think that we should be questioning everything because people who have a very a very narrow skill set are more prone to thinking highly of themselves and looking down upon others and that's the conceit so i agree with this 100% both parts and you got uh, modern versus quote unquote primitive which is where all of our a lot of our medicine came from we look believe in the primitive the truth is in the past there you go put it on a shirt i like it yeah okay all right chaotic one but we're done election day coverage go and find out who won go team all right bye bye bye